0: Ladies and gentlemen, hang on to your hat with Derek Myers and Dan Lee. Bad Daddy, you're a
1: naughty boy. These days, fatherhood is everywhere. You can't get away from it. Not that blokes haven't tried. If you're not a father, you've got a father. You're a son of a dad or a daughter of a bloke. But either way, being a dad is no picnic. The fear, the anger, the confusion and, well, the love, of course. <laughs> oh. Eric Myers and Dan Lee, together with their special guests, are here to share the highs and lows, the joys and the agony of being a modern day. But most of all, to let you know that you're not alone. (laughs)
0: I'd suggest hanging on to your hats folks cuz Dan is here like a crazed stallion in the gates. I can see the whites of his eyes. Uh, Go. With a,
1: <laughs> I mean, you will not silence me, Derek. I shall not be caged. I shall not be tamed. We've been trying to get this show started but we can't get through the fucking gate because I keep exploding with <laughs> with things to say and 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 now now I'm going to be all quiet. <clears throat> Well, that's fine because it allows us to
0: explain what's going on here. Okay. This is the what I'm calling affectionately is the seventh wave. Right. So
1: the way we've planned this series is- That's because you like to make everything seem more dramatic and big than it really is. I just want to sting references. Which is fine. If you want to do Tom Waits references, I'm doing sting references. Don't (laughs) compare Tom Waits to sting.
0: I'm sick of people picking Ah. on sting.
1: Well, listen, if he kept his fucking sex life to himself, I wouldn't be so annoyed with him. What do you mean? What's he done? Well, you know all that tantra he was on about—no, just making all men feel inadequate. He was—he went on fucking Oprah and talked for days about how he could shag his wife for days, and all these women in the audience just sat there going, "Oh." Like this. I thought Tantra and just, was
0: when you drank a bottle
1: of vodka and you just couldn't finish. Uh, and, no, <laughs> it is in, in sort of seventies Melbourne. Yeah, <laughs> I can't finish. No, no. That hurry up! Don't you remember that when Sting started gloating about nah, his sex life, nah, must have blocked and, it, and out. making all these women sweat, and 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 you know, even really well adjusted men were like, oh come on, fucking settle down. We just, we just, okay.
0: What's the big take home from Scott? Scott was our first. Well, so, episode.
1: I mean that was so great. It, 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 we that was the first time we got to talk to someone in here and hear echoes of the same story. You know, yeah, like you go, oh, yeah, yeah I know you what are you not mean. alone. You're not alone. alone. Do you know what? And this is this for me is is therapeutic in the same way as as AA was when mm. I got sober. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> in that, I mean, it's different, obviously, but you come into a room and suddenly everyone has got variations of the same story and you just kind of sink into your seat a little bit and go, right, okay, fuck, I'm probably, mm. we're, we're all in this together, you know? And I, and I think as soon as you get talking to any other dads, they, they often uh, st- sort of unload on you all the stuff they've been going through. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. They, they, they unload How do this. you think they became dads in the no, first place? Derek, <laughs> Derek. Sorry. Sorry. But, yes, they, they, they purge. The, <laughs> Cut it out. Now you're playing to it. <laughs> so, yeah, a lot of stories come out and people, people you know, we're all in the same boat. Yeah. So that's been good. Oh, he was talking about the thing that I liked about Scott was talking when he said uh, it's his job to teach... Her, his daughter, that the world is not her oyster. <laughs> yes, I know. It's a, <clears throat> it a in hard a, one to learn. It's like, yes, you are. In a right. kind way.
0: It is what we're doing. Yeah. But then when people actually uh, eventually run into someone that's observed something that we're all doing and mentions it. Yeah. And then you go, oh, yeah, I am doing that. And yeah. it either can lift you because you go, oh, yeah, that's what I'm doing too. Yeah. And it gives you – and it's, that's a good thing in itself. It doesn't yeah. change your behaviour, but it no. makes you go, yeah, fuck yeah. It's that guy's a good dad. He's doing the right thing. Yeah. His kid's well-adjusted. Everything's fine.
1: Yeah. And he just said he does what I do. Yeah. So there's that as well. It's the it's the, the therapeutic effect of identifying with other people. Yeah. You're just You're all in there on the same boat. And I think when Scott said – Sort of f- for comic effect, oh, the world is not your oyster. It's also just it's it's you want them to know that the world is there for them and it's an amazing place to be in, but it's not your oyster in so far as it's everyone else's oyster as well. Like if you you know it, it, the world is your oyster, but remember that it's also everyone else's oyster,
0: yeah. and
1: in that sense. It's not just your oyster.
0: Well, like, to <laughs> be oyster honest, talk I, never fully, and- I mm. never fully came to grips with how the world is your oyster could possibly be a good thing.
1: Right. Like, oh, okay. this is
0: historical for me. It was like, yeah. every time anyone said it, I'd go, I don't see yeah, how not, that's though, a is good thing. Do they mean oh, yeah. what are they go mean? and get the pearl? Or do they mean- It's going to irritate it's you. It's a tiny little thing that you're 50-50 going to be allergic to. People are going to be sick. Even looking at you, enjoying it. <laughs> what does it mean, actually? Uh, the world is better with bacon.
1: Because <laughs> be the world is your oyster obviously means, the, the actual the, sort of the meaning that we take from it is that you can do anything. But how? But how does that work? Because if what? an oyster processes horrible shit into a pearl, yes. it gets an irritation of a piece of sand or something and then it covers oh. it in... in um, <clears throat> What's it called? What's, what's pearl? Pearly stuff. Pearly yeah, yeah. stuff, yeah. yes, is the technical term. Um, and it coats it and coats it and it, it's, it's the pearl, oh, sorry, it's the oyster attempting to um, smooth the irritant away so it doesn't cause it irritation. So if you are the oyster, if you are the pearl in the oyster, then the world has, then you have. Um, you were shit
0: or the wor- or the and the world, world has- made you look better even though you still are valueless.
1: <laughs> is that? Yeah, you know, I don't no? know. Or, or you just, you took all of the bad stuff and the irritation of the world and you created something beautiful out of it. Yeah, okay. Well. W- I, I don't know, but it is an odd. Yeah, well, can we, we, let's get back to that one. Yeah, let's come uh, back to it. A that.
0: research assignment for the notes. Um, after Scott, we talked to Sean Whelan. Yeah. Which was, which which kind of got got a lot more involved than I, uh, I had expected. Yeah. Which was great. He was he was um
1: Well we it was sort of too sorry, go on. Yeah,
0: he was <laughs> he was open. He was open about his, you know, his experiences when his father died suddenly. Yeah. And then he was saying how his father had been to uh Vietnam as a yeah. conscript. Is that what you uh, I don't
1: know if he was a conscript. I know he was a, he was a medic. Right. He, okay. he was going not imagine what he saw fucking he was in, in some some aspects of the medical f- side of things mm. as well, like like f- so. But yeah, he was a, a veteran, and we talked about that kind of. I, I thought what was interesting too, talking to him about how he can't remember getting any specific life lessons or any specific stuff. Yeah. yeah. But you're very conscious of, of your father's. Kids are so aware of the end of what they're getting from their parent, even if yeah. they're silent. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. But he and he said that they he got things through sporting analogies sometimes. Yeah. And things like that. But that was really interesting. And and the the the, you know the trauma that people went that war has created for Mm. people. Mm. um, That's come up quite a few times actually. We talked to Chris about that too, about the fear that there would be a war
0: when you have children of your own. Yes, that was a a a question of you know because he was. He was around that era,
1: yeah, and uh, and the Vietnam era, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Um, uh, Being, it's interesting, isn't it? I look at my kids, and I on on Anzac Day, and and I'm not, you know, don't really go over the top with the whole thing. I mean, here we are. I'm I'm not kind of like it's not the Sabbath for me. Here we are recording today. Um, But something I do, and I've always done since my kids were born, and even before that. I put on somebody's version of the band played "Waltzing Matilda," the Pogues. surely. Uh, it's often the Pogues. Uh, yeah, it, yeah. I changed it today. It was Eric Bogle, yeah. the original one. Yeah, and what a song, man! And the kids, and I, and I, and, and I put it on. I sat them up. They were around the place. Right? I sat them up in the in the bed in one of their beds, and they sat there together, eleven and nine. And I said, "Listen." You you just have to listen to this. It's just seven minutes. It's not a big price to pay. Just yeah. listen to it. And it's a story. And I don't mean, do anything and don't be silly. And yeah. I gave them my big daddy serious kind of shit. And they they remember from last year now. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And they sit there and they listen to it. And I usually turn away and cry and stuff. Yeah. Because I start, I'm doing it now. But I start looking at them and imagining, you know, right. them, in the, and, and it all kicks off for me. Mm. But I, uh, th- this time, I was like, "Oh, I, there's no benefit in them going. What's wrong with him? Yeah. That's a distraction." So they listen and they process, and they, that song allows them to actually empathize, yeah, with the notion of, not not the notion of being in a horrible war, mm. but the notion of. Well, number one, you know how the story goes, people. Um, Have a listen. We'll put a link. Mm. But, uh, you know, it's the getting called up from a a free life of roving, which I think just means being um, sort of transient and working on farms and stuff like that in the early 20th century. And then the government Mm. calls you up and off you go and people are cheering and carrying on. and, Mm. And then, of course, you get a horrific injury and you come back. So it does focus on the after war. Quite a bit, and I don't. I'm really looked into that song and how it was, mm. um, how it came, how it came to be huge or popular, or even when it was written. But it's pretty. It it touches on all that stuff that it seemed to be not talked about. People tiptoed around what soldiers, what happened to soldiers after World War One, mm. and then two, and and really, I mean, I know it was just because when I was alive, but the whole um, post-war trauma thing was an enormous topic for the Vietnam yeah. thing. And it, I think it took us another half a generation to go,
1: oh, yeah, but what about the other wars?
0: Mm. Surely that was traumatic as well. I don't think that anything funny, isn't it, specific because- to Vietnam yeah. was.
1: Well, Vietnam, there was the added pro- thing of, of public opinion changing while it was happening yeah. and the belief generally that, well... I don't know what the f- stats are, but the, the, the sense that they shouldn't be there, that this wasn't a war that needed to be yeah. fought. It was a proxy war. They didn't come war. home heroes. Yeah. So it was all happening in, in, it's a proxy war between Russia and, you know. Yeah. The West. It's a, it's a, so, um. but whereas the Second World War and probably the First World War, but the Second World War, at least in my head, seemed to be a war that was necessary to fight, as in, Hitler's conquering Self Europe. Self-defense. Yeah. yeah, perhaps yeah. not for Australia. I mean, we've we've never fought to defend our own. Or, well, not from the beginning. We we did once yeah. once we were in the war and yes. we were being in the Japanese were coming, but um, <clears throat> we've always gone away to support. Yes, as allies, right? But um, that seemed like a war that you it, you would sort of go to because the Second World War, because you had to stop that, or we, would you know, like especially for the British. Went at, at, towards the the end there, where, or towards that before it turned, yeah. And um, so I think they were the, the trauma was um, sort of just swept aside with that war, with the Second World War, a bit because th- the Allies defeated Japan and Germany, yeah. And they came, you know what I mean? They came back. It was seemed to be the war that were, had to be done, or had, yeah. you know that. So it wasn't really looked at. There was also massive traumas that happened with the Holocaust and things like that. Mm. So the average suburban sort of Australian, middle-class Australian who came back from war, who who came back and just didn't speak about it, but then the trauma was there. Yeah. There was much bigger things that happened and atrocities that happened, so you kind of just internalise it. mm so the, does but that the trauma spreads out through and, generations? Does, does,
0: exactly. Does that leave it undealt with? Like, whereas the yes, it would have been god awful coming back from Vietnam. Yeah, all the horrors and more. Yeah, of any other war in the past, plus people going, "Boo," you know world, what I mean? Like yeah. that's we know that, right? That's horrific. Yeah. But what about the world kind of developing a support thing or? at least an acknowledgement, it's eventually a, by the time you're 60 or 70, maybe.
1: Man, I fucking – look, it's a couple of weeks ago – We don't oh,
0: Look, let, let's be clear. Mm. We don't know much about all this stuff. No, no. But we know how, to, how it passes down from generation to generation. I'd be happy to hear what a professional says. Yeah. But uh, you know how I said, oh, you're here uh, aware of it. Yeah. Being aware of it isn't going to just wipe it out. No. But I'll tell you what, it's going to shrink it. Yeah, you know what I mean, and and so every generation that 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 is aware of it, you know, will will just bring it down, bring it down till it might not, it might not get you, it might not affect you, it might not give you a hard time, and and eventually it might not pass to your kids because why would it?
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, I joke about how my alcoholism, I blame Hitler invading Poland for my alcoholism. That's my sort of joke, and I only say that because I know that my grandfather went away to war. 28 or something like that had yeah, yeah. never had a drink in his life being really quite a a, a gentle smart you know a, a guy and came back with a you know an alcoholic basically yeah, yeah. and and did the best he could with with all of that and then i feel like that sort of skips a generation and then it's like we we we've this as well kind of research we we know that alcoholism runs in families we know that that, that now, whether that's gen- purely genetic, you know, that certain sort of hereditary factors make You wouldn't think it'd be make purely. You... No, you wouldn't. Des- it's decision-making but some of it,
0: and genetic and carried over trauma.
1: Yeah, and some of it's just ca- possibly carried over trauma, mm. together with your personality type, your stuff like that. Yeah, but I, yeah. you know, yeah, it's fascinating. So I've just gone on this little kind of search into the family and, and, and it's just blown open all this stuff. And I now have this weirdly this compassion and understanding for all of the 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 bad parenting that i suppose was done by my grandparents that who were trying to deal with their trauma because at least i i have some sense now of what they weren't able to do i mean imagine going away and doing this stuff. i mean think of people going to war now think of you know syria think of anywhere i mean it, it's 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 terrifying to think of the kind of knock on trauma but that i suppose in some countries there's just always war. So you never have peacetime long enough to actually get to the point where I'm at, where I'm assessing trauma from a place of relatively, like I don't have the direct trauma of it. Yeah. But if you're in a place that's like a thousand years ago or even a few hundred years ago, Humanity was constantly at war. I mean, war was the default setting and then you had brief moments of peace between countries like a thousand years ago or whatever. Like war was the thing. You expected to die and you would expected trauma, but you also had a great belief in God and the afterlife. That fucking helps, I reckon. Yeah. Like it's easier to go out and throw yourself into the fire and sacrifice yourself for your family if you genuinely believe that this in, in God and and the afterlife, and the unity of all people through of your people through religion, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. M- you know, my parents' generation and their wartime parents, who who were limited in their ability to support their kids' emotional stuff, possibly as and, and and what happens to kids when they're really really little?
0: Yeah,
1: you know, I just think about how could those people who who came back from the Second World War and didn't talk about it. Had injuries. Had my, like my grandfather used to talk about how he always knew where the front line was because everyone was running the other way to him. Like he'd yeah, yeah, he yeah. make jokes about how he was running the other way. But the side of his face used to sort of weep and sweat from old gas injuries from yeah. from the and his shrapnel wounds and his whatever. And he'd always play it down and joke about it. But then and this has got a. How can they po- – look, I'm in a supermarket trying to deal with a toddler from my place of incredible privilege. Yep. How could they have ever known? So, like, you could go, well, what am I complaining about? I should just enjoy the privilege I have. But then I'm I'm in, privileged enough to be able to see – how how we can improve things? Yeah. So there's no point in me just going. Oh, I've got it easy. Forget about it because that's how we end up in the trouble in the first place. Yeah. You know what I mean? Got to go. God, with, with compassion, look back. Like, how did people deal with it?
0: Yeah. If you go, if you go two seasons without a tornado, yeah. Don't just go cool. Yeah. I've build got nothing fucking, to complain about. Instead yeah. of re- having to rebuild your fucking roof, yeah. build a tornado shelter. Yes. Or exactly. you know, like, like do something. Yeah. That's fine. I reckon that's fair. That's what we're doing. It's not like we're at a loose end because we're privileged so we're just pretending to to look for details in trying to be better fathers. It's like, no, everyone's doing it. We're just talking about it.
1: We're just talking about it and, and we're in a position because of this podcast to have been, you know, it's on my mind even more to sort of explore it. And then Sean says things like his father never mentioned the war, but he had a lot of war paraphernalia around yeah. and he never- And even, that is a mention and, in another well, language. Yes, but, and never kind of even spoke to a, yeah. his mother about it, he found yeah. out later, which is fascinating. Yeah. So you've got to wonder, like, I can't go a day without telling <laughs> my wife about my, you know, trauma with the kids. Like, what's he, what's he talking about? I don't understand what's going on. Like, we're always talking about how yeah, to yeah, be yeah. better parents and stuff like that. But look, these things just ripple out. Out into the into the generations, into, into and and yeah. God knows what it's like for Aboriginal people and trauma and and and, and Jews and and Sudanese survivors and, yep. and the, you know surely for generations there's going to be this sort of stuff. But w- you may not even notice the trauma until they get to a place where the trauma stops. You know what I mean? Because if mm. it's just trauma intergenerationally forever, there's just war all the time. You, you, you know. You, you're just traumatised. You get to somewhere where it's a little bit safe, you get your head above water and the trauma comes out.
0: Yeah. The The other part, the part two of Sean's, of our chat with Sean, and that was the sperm donor stuff. Right. Now, I had some grotesque thoughts when I was reading the notes you'd written because you'd actually spelt it like a donor. oh yes. <laughs> so I kept thinking of donna kebabs at the same time as Sean's sperm so it was, it was a bit awkward for a bit but I corrected that. Yeah. Um big takeaways from that. I got I I had big takeaways from that because um because of the shall we tell the people how how we did it. We chatted to to Sean and we didn't mention any names and respected the privacy because he's a sperm donor. Yeah. Right, not a father. So we'll get to that. Yeah. Right? So it's a so his whole story is basically involves apart from his act the actual actions of doing it and what's involved in doning. Yeah. It was great.
1: He's the anti father.
0: Yeah, and it's sort of what came out of it. it. It's a it's a story about another family. So yeah. to respect their privacy. We didn't use their names or anything like that. Yeah. Now we we sent the we sent the audio of his chat off to for him to play to the the family the two the women, women yeah. that are <clears throat> that are the mothers and they had a read and and we got to engage p- positively yeah. about conversation yeah. you know yeah. and you know and there was a bit of like I was a bit tense because it was I don't know how you felt Dan but I was a bit tense because we were kind of joking and everything but a sort of uh, keeping it light but but it was a whole new world just thrown no, at and us and I I I I was yeah. I was pretty pleased with how how we handled it and yeah, yeah. but there was some vernacular stuff that was very interesting yeah. you know like the the and the and the conversation that it opened between them and Sean a de- even deeper conversation I don't think that normal doning like this looks like an ideal situation yeah yeah doesn't it I where is so, this yeah. great guy who's yeah. understanding
1: but I get the point of not you can't you can't semantically be using the word father, yes. because it's not—it's not, it's not yeah. helpful. It doesn't like that's not immediately obvious to me. But it's important that he be considered a donor, not the father. Yes, they don't. They there because their particular family dynamic doesn't have the father like that. Yes, I mean that's something that the
0: biological women... father is a word. Yeah, yeah, and father is a word. They yeah. mean different things.
1: But you know, we we don't know this, and we, we've we've you sort of. You have to risk it to find out a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And I spoke to one of the women about this and, yeah. and she expressed interest in coming on and talking to us. That'd be great. About what it means to be a, a, um, two mothers, yeah. same-sex couple without yeah, yeah. Without, a, without a father. So, um, yeah, so that their desired vernacular
0: is, though, this child is being raised with no father. Yeah. Yes, with active, loving parents. Yeah. Two of them, yeah, mothers, and transparency about where they came. from. One of them from. is the biological mother, yeah, and one of them isn't. Yeah. but it's not. One of them is pretending to be a father. Two mothers, no yeah. father. Yeah, right. But because they because their whole desire is to make the best life for this child, it they will be not man hating, but it pro- providing influential. M- male role yeah, models yeah. and stuff. Yeah, look,
1: the and the interesting thing that came out of that for me too was that that Idris was over struck by the amount of work that same-sex couples have to do yes. when they're going to have a kid in terms of um planning, considering because it's it's yeah. there are uh, difficulties to be able to have a family. Um you can't just get drunk and go to the, you know, it like, can't, like straight, can't be an accident, straight couples do. It? No, it can't be an accident. So you're forced. In, and I was just struck by the, the thing that, you know, hetero couples should have sit down and plan and have a contract as well. Yeah. I mean, we would all benefit yeah. from that. Um, so how someone could be, there's a much better chance of people being a good, be, could being good parents if they had considered it. Yeah, properly. Yes. I mean, it's like we're trying to consider what it is to be a father. here. Yeah. we're already doing that at least. Yeah, yeah, at least, yeah. at least we, we may not be perfect, but at least we're um, we're thinking about it. and We're open to to learning. So as soon as you're kind of giving it some forethought, you're at an advantage. Right? Every
0: yeah, every consideration's been been thought out. Yeah, yeah. What's coming? What's on the horizon at different ages? Yeah, yeah. From what I got from it, there's a lot more thought than the average uh, us, who just do it because that's how
1: life is. And there's probably going to be less trauma passed on, speaking of trauma. I mean, a lot of the the traditional way for, you know, for straight couples has been you kind of, especially, well, my parents' generation, you move out of home, you get married, you have kids at 23 or 25 or whatever it is and you don't really think about it and then you just kind of parent. And before them, it was just... You didn't even probably kiss a girl until you were willing to marry them as a yeah. man, and then you went away to war and then you came back. So there's very little conscious kind of thought about it. it's just what you do next. Yeah. And so that's, that's a fucking-
0: It's got to outweigh. I think yeah. summing up, it's got to completely outweigh, yeah. you know, the issues of, oh, yeah, but you've got to have a father. Yeah. Doctor, um, Dr. Higgins was fabulous too, our yeah. third- our third in the season. Yeah. Um, good on him for coming in because it yeah. was also number one. It was great to talk to someone who had ki- that was our f- kids that were older than either mine or y- or yours. Like another, yeah. so, and well, it was also our grandfather.
1: So and he, we didn't talk about his grandfatherness really. I, no, I mean, I felt it's w- for with another that, day. Yeah, and I I was we we kind of we were we were a bit scattergun with with him, and I I think I was a bit nervous probably too. And but it, but it'll be be good to really kind of get down to more detail with him in future about grandkids and about all that sort of stuff. For his, sure. His parents. I mean, I want to be his son-in-law. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like... A, <laughs> Not in a weird way. Sorry. No, he's a, bit of a, he's a bit of a super dad and a super granddad, really. Yeah, just... just and which I felt I felt sort of um, makes me... I, was, I said something to Missy about, oh, God, it's a, it's a big thing to live up to. And she said, yeah, but if, you know, if if people... If people, ma- this is going to sound incestuous, if people marry, you know that thing about you marry your father or yep, you marry yep. your mother, it, you, you, you're attracted to people that seem to embody values that you have in your family. Yeah. So if I look at it like that, she, she must think that I'm up to the task of being the kind of father that he is. Exactly. And he's very good. It, it lets you know that
0: it, it didn't just, being good parenting didn't just, didn't just happen no. uh, when lattes appeared. Yeah, in our world. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. sensible, you know, the whole caring thing. Whatever they do, I love the thing about you know. I wouldn't care if my children were well, yeah, street well, sweepers or whatever. Yeah, if that's what made them happy, then yeah, bingo, we've hit the you know, we've hit success. Yeah, and you love
1: and it. you get you get in you get out what you put in. You know, like you establish these relationships very early and trust, and then you have a, a relationship into your. Old age. I mean, you, that's the best you can hope for, isn't it? Yep. To be seventy or eighty and have a really honest, supportive kind of friendship relationship with your kids, and mm. also because you're suddenly getting very vulnerable, you. The obvious thing of, you don't want them just packing you away into a nursing home, but but beyond that, just to have these 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 close friendships with your
0: kids. We've got to get on to Brett. That was Grouse, wasn't it? Yeah, Brett. Yeah. Brett was Grouse. Um Number one because I collect I collect uh, incidences with people from neighbours, but that Dan's too d- too deep and highbrow to discuss that right now. But uh, that was exciting for me, not for neighbours, and not just just for he was your great. Another obsession, another guy with a great set of attitudes. Uh, yeah, doing it uh, separated or divorced yeah. or something. Parents doing it the way you should. Yeah. So feel free. We'll put his number in the notes. Feel free to ring him. If you... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the one danger of his story was, was like, oh, that looks kind of attractive. And the, the thread so far has been engaging with the kids in all in all of them so far, mm. including Ben Tuffy Lee that we haven't spoken about yet. Yeah. But it, it's all just doing your best. That's the thread for the positives. Yeah. The, my take home from from Brett. From the, you know, from the relationship, let's face it, it might seem ideal. You know, you get some time off then you've got them heavy duty and everyone's got a job and everyone's kind of, you know, everyone's happy and the kids are coping and everything's cool. But it's also, he reminded us (laughs) that it does involve a breakdown of your fucking marriage. Like it's not pleasant. Yeah. And to be able to do that without traumatizing the kids is a big job. Yeah, and it requires a lot of hard work. And when and the pressure of the second child, how it was around about that time, and we felt it, we felt it. I felt it pretty hard.
1: Yeah, the importance of the take
0: home getting the you know get involved with your partner. Don't forget each other. It's like the oxygen in the airplane. Yeah, you've got to put your
1: mask on first. Yeah, yeah, I think that's true. It's very easy to get so um, involved with keeping the family going that you you don't see each other anymore, and you don't. I mean, and that over time just, yeah, he talked about capital, didn't he? He talked about having having stuff in reserve or something, you know, yeah, you need yeah. to build up these moments of connection with your partner so that they don't dwindle into the red. Yeah. Um, otherwise, yes. otherwise, you may, I suppose you may find that you've just kind of broken up without even knowing it yeah. for some people, you know. Yeah. It's just kind of over- Uh long before you actually come up for air. Yeah. And yeah. hopefully then, if that is the case, then you're able to be amicable and you're able to come up with a a situation like he did where there's still plenty of um, respect and love and cooperation mm. and then the kids are okay and everyone's, I mean, you know. Yeah. And
0: something I learnt this morning that I reckon would have been good to have one of his tips, <laughs> a yeah. physical tip that from him was to prep the, what you want them to have for breakfast in the bottom shelf of the fridge, right. so that they can get up, leave you the fuck asleep, yeah. and get their breakfast. Because yeah. we, I never did that. Like my kids now get this later on. Now they get yeah. their own breakfast, but yeah. fuck, they sure as hell haven't been uh, yeah. trained into getting something that makes sense. I my no. son brought me a cup of tea this morning. I said, "What have you got?" He goes, "Nothing." I'm going, "What is it?" You know, he had Milo with ice cream in it. Yeah, <laughs> <with> breakfast. <laughs> I'm going, "What are you doing?" He Goes, "It's a holiday." It's like, oh Christ. Was that you okay, so that... we've trained him to holidays no rules, which
1: is bad. I'm sure didn't you say that baby Tom brought you um, a, a really do- strong coffee? He once? dosed me up. Yeah, <laughs> he dosed you because he didn't want you up. to sleep in. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and he I brought you a quadruple coffee. Uh... Yeah,
0: he did. It was like boo. He really wanted me <laughs> up because I said you can't have your screen time unless I'm up. Yeah. With the fortnight. Right. Right. So that was a that's a rule. So yeah. it was. <laughs> that is a rule, honestly. Yeah. And so he, yeah, he dosed me hardcore. He just yeah. dosed me. I said, this coffee tastes kind of funny. <laughs> and then I was like pinging off the wall. It's so
1: strong it doesn't even taste like coffee anymore. And there was another time when he was, he didn't
0: want me to get up. He oh. said, oh, when we get up, we'll do the dishes or whatever. So he crushed some Valium and put it in? No. Your- <laughs> no, he made me a coffee that was virtually no coffee in it. <laughs> right. I said, get me a, get me a uh, instant coffee. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. I do do that sometimes <laughs> and he just so the kids can do it mm. and uh yeah he put a half a teaspoon in yeah because he didn't want me up because it was dish time right right yeah so crafty. yeah I absolutely love it and I look forward as all of them mm. to to come back to that to come back to Brett and uh see how it's going yeah as the yeah. kids hit their teens because we're all frightened
1: talking to other people and listening to their stories and it's helping me to feel, in the same way as I said earlier that AA helped me, going to a room full of alkies, and if you're an alky, that is, you go into a room of, of others like you and you suddenly hear the the, the the honest way they're living and dealing with their yeah. life, yeah. sober or otherwise, and that's very helpful. It's certainly a good starting point. Yeah. Then you can go and read books. Yeah. It'll all be counter to each other. Just because
0: it's easier to be a father than it is a mother doesn't mean, <laughs> I mean it's, easy. it's not tough. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't mean it's not tough. Yeah. And you're not alone.
1: You're not alone. You want to do it properly for Christ's sake.
0: All right, tune in next week. Yeah. We've got someone grouse lined up.
1: Oh, you wait. Oh, you just, you wait. just wait. Good night, folks.
0: Awesome podcast was recorded at castaway studios in collingwood here we provide affordable accessible professional podcasting production facilities to the full range of podcasters all the way from basic studio hire right through to full season production packages you can get us on castaway at gmail.com or just look up castaway studios on all the social medias That awesome podcast was recorded.